Um, a very good morning to you all. Uh, my name's Rich, as Dan correctly uh, identified. Um, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, it's great to have so many new faces amongst us. Um, it's, really, it's, it's really great. It's really wonderful. Um, I know um, some people will be starting terms, some people will be starting jobs, some people are just visiting, um, but it really is great to have you all here. Um, I would just say, if you're a rever. Um, there is now a responsibility on us um, to be welcoming people. So even after the service, um, why not let's be bold and step out and, and, and go and engage in conversation with somebody that perhaps we've not met before um, and, and, and just kind of, yeah, welcome people. Because this is, this, is, this is what the Bible calls the household of faith. This is the church. And we want to welcome people in um, so that people feel um, at home, people feel at peace here. Um, so, yeah, um, wonderful. So... Um, that was an aside. Um, but we've been working through um, the book of Philippians um, as a church. So we've been uh, doing this for probably uh, nearly two months now. Um, and we've been um, kind of dividing up the book of Philippians and just working through. And we've kind of taken the central theme in Philippians as joy. Um, so the word joy or the word rejoice, as it's translated, um, appears 13, 14 times throughout the book. Um, and um, in every different aspect um, of that and kind of the multifacetedness of joy um, and how that plays out in our everyday life. Um, I think this is probably our first passage that doesn't actually have the word joy or rejoice in it. Um, but don't worry, we will still be looking at joy. Um, but uh, thanks for that, Dan. Dan, who did all the work dividing up all the chapters and things. Um, I've been given a topic that isn't actually in the passage, but uh, not to worry about that. No, um, but it is very much in the passage. It's all over the book. Um, and as we'll see today, it's very much a part of what we're looking at today. Um, Interestingly, the passage we're going to be looking at today, so if you've been tracking with the um, series, we're up to um, Philippians 3, um, and we're going to jump in at verse 12. But where we're up to, really, is, is Dan last week, if you like, did um, half, uh, the first half, if you like, and this is almost the second half um, of that chapter. Um, and they kind, the two kind of go together, um, really. Kind of, you, We'll see when we get into the passage that you can't really um, jump in halfway through this chapter. It kind of follows on logically. And you often find that because this is a letter. Um, this is a letter that Paul wrote to um, the church in Philippi. He was in prison at the time. Um, this is a people that he loved dearly. Um, and so as he's writing, he's just kind of, he just continues writing. It doesn't stop. There's no kind of, you can't divide it up into verses, chapters. There's helpful places that we can kind of pause and reflect and things. Um, but that's where we really uh, land today. Um, and just before we get into our passage, um, I just want to say right the way throughout the New Testament, there's the idea of um, a race, that this, this Christian life, that those of us that have put our trust in Jesus, that we're, we're walking with God, that it's kind of described as a race in several different places. Um, if we have the first slide up on the, on, um, the screen, there's, uh, I've just picked out three verses. Um, so um, in 1 Corinthians, do, not, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. I have fought the good fight. This is Paul writing again uh, to Timothy in his second book. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. 
And then in Hebrews, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And this idea of a race just seems to be coming over and over again, right the way throughout um, the New Testament. And, and, and very often it's a really helpful analogy because we can see what, what it looks like. And what you'll get from each of these verses is actually um, a race takes perseverance. Um, a race takes a lot of energy, a lot of determination um, to kind of keep going, keep putting one foot um, in front of the other and keep moving on. Um, when I was back at university, I, um, I, in my last year at university, I had some friends who signed me up for a half marathon. Now, um, I, I, I did used to enjoy sport. Um, I used to do a lot of running when I was younger, um, but I hadn't done any running at university. They signed me up for this half marathon, um, and... Uh, well, I think my training consisted of about a two-mile run um, about three weeks before, um, and that was about all my training. Um, and then it got to the day, and I, and I started, and I think within about five minutes, I was like, oh, this, I'm going to be in trouble here. Um, and um, I, I let all my friends run off. Um, and I, I, to be honest, I wasn't prepared for the race at all. Um, and by the time you get blisters kind of 10 miles round and you're just feeling oh, horrible. Um, but I kept going. I, I kind of kept putting one foot in front of the other. Um, and it was, it was hard work. Um, but I made it round, um, which was great. And, and, and through that kind of like, I guess there's, there's that element, isn't there, that which you just, the determination just to keep putting one foot in front of the other, the whole 13.1 miles all the way around the track, all the way around the course, you just keep going, you just keep going, one foot in front of the other. Um, and, and the whole point is that you're trying to reach, if you like, that goal. You're trying to reach the finish line um, in, well, for some people, in as good a time as possible. And um, for me, I was just pleased to get around it. Um, but you just keep going because you're, you're, you're looking for that goal. That you're looking for what is that end result, that final um, goal. Very often, the, the, the Christian life is a bit like that, that kind of sometimes you have those times, those seasons, where you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, um, and you, you kind of, you're working towards this goal, you're working towards this prize, as we see from um, those few verses. Um, and that's kind of where we land, really, um, in Philippians today. So if you have a Bible with you, we're going to be at Philippians 3, um, we're going to jump in at verse 12, um, and I'm going to read through from Philippians uh, 3, verse 12, through to 4, um, verse 1. Before I do that, I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would, um, Lord, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you would um, speak into uh, the depths of who we are. Lord, I pray that you would um, challenge us with your word. Lord, I pray that you would, um, Lord, I pray that you would continue to take us on in that journey, continue to take us on um, in this race of faith, Lord, that we would continue to put one step in front of the other, that we would continue to look forward, to we would look to um, the goal um, that is ahead of us, and that, Jesus, we would have absolute confidence that you, um, Lord, who began a good work in us, will see it through to completion. Um, and, Jesus, we just pray, give us ears to hear what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, and so let's jump in then um, at Philippians 3. So, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. 
Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved." Um, in order to, we jump right in at verse 12, um, and we already see we're kind of, you see what I mean by we're kind of joining a conversation halfway through. Um, we kind of have to understand what's happened just before for then Paul to say, not that I have already obtained this, um, well, what is the this that he's talking about? Um, well, Dan um, excellently uh, drew out the first um, 11 verses of this chapter last week um, and really just brought it alive. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's probably one of the best sermons I've heard heard on those um, 11 verses, and it really challenged me, um, inspired me. Um, But essentially what Paul is talking about previously is about where is your confidence? What is it that you're putting your confidence in, and what is it that is your ultimate goal? Um, And in the few verses before, you can look at it in your own time, um, but Paul talks about all of these things in verse 2 that he had to, if you like, his credit, all of those things that he thought made him really good and really impressive, his status, who he was, his identity, um, and you can read about it in verse 2. And then halfway through, Paul says, but I consider it as loss. In fact, everything I thought was for my good, actually, I consider it as loss compared to knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. And, and that stark contrast that actually everything Paul thought was, was, was good and honourable and right and impressive, actually he counted it as rubbish, um, he says, compared to knowing Jesus. Um, and then he goes on to say right in, uh, at the end of verse 11 um, that, uh, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Sorry, from verse, from verse 10 he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. And so this is what Paul's living with. So this is what Paul's living with. All this, all these status, all of this identity, all of this stuff that made him look, made him look impressive and, 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 and well-rounded and seasoned, as he says, I count it as loss compared to knowing um, Jesus Christ, my Lord. And then he says, and my goal is that I would know him and the power of his resurrection, um, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Well, just quickly, what, is, what does Paul mean by this resurrection of the dead? Um, well, it, it, in Colossians 1, it talks about Jesus being the first fruits um, of the resurrection of the dead. And actually, that idea that when Jesus rose again um, from, the, from, uh, the, from the grave, when he rose again, he actually raised us 
to new life in him. Um, we, we read that elsewhere in scripture. And so this idea of, of Jesus' risen life now being poured out um, into believers, into um, Paul, into disciples, um, actually Paul's saying, that's, that's what I'm going for. But actually, it's slightly more than that. What Paul seems to be implying here, um, or necessarily our passage today, wouldn't make all that much sense. Paul seems to be saying that actually, when I come to the end of my days, when I, when, when I finally um, die, when I finally kick the bucket, when I get to that stage um, and I pass over, um, then, he's saying, then he's saying actually, um, th- at that point, we are raised to newness of life in Christ. So there's this idea that even we who are Christians, who have put our trust in Jesus, we, we've begun this journey of a new life in Christ, right? And if you were a believer here today, if you call yourself a believer, then you probably know what that looks like. Um, but there's an element here at which Paul is saying, actually, I'm waiting for that final day when I, when I die, when I pass away, and actually I will have a new body. I will be in uh, heaven celebrating um, with Jesus eternally. Um, and it's that idea that he seems to be talking about here, this resurrection of the dead. Literally, um, once he's dead, he will be resurrected to new life. And that's the Christian hope. Um, that's the, the, the hope that we have um, in eternity. Um, and then we move on to um, our verses today. Um, not that I have already obtained this, I press on. And then verse 13, not um, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward, I press on. And so there seems to be, uh, throughout Paul's life, this, this, this then he expends his energy pressing forward, pushing forward, um, moving forward and taking ground. In fact, it kind of culminates, if you like, in verse 15, um, where he says, let those of us who are mature think this way. So I guess the first question we need to understand or answer really today is what is Christian maturity? Because just like Paul in the earlier verses in this chapter, we might think actually Christian maturity looks really impressive. Christian maturity is somebody that stands on a stage and preaches to hundreds of thousands. It's somebody that sees hundreds of thousands of people healed and it's people that pray and God breaks in and miracles happen and it's all that stuff. We might think, well, that's Christian maturity. Surely that's Christian maturity because people are really cultivating such an impressive and and such a wow kind of um, life. They're exciting to be around. Um, And actually... As great as all of that stuff is, and we don't want to take away from what God does with all of those things, fundamentally, that's not Christian maturity. That's actually very often it's people's gifts that God has given by his grace. And so you can't always make sense of it. Christian maturity, if we're to understand it correctly, is actually just to persevere. Christian maturity is actually to persevere right the way through to the end. That's maturity. And I know I'm speaking to many people in the room who are uh, older than myself, um, who have persevered much more than necessarily I have. I recognise that. And, and, and I would honour you for that. Because it demonstrates a maturity. That whatever happens, there's a commitment to press on. Forgetting what lies behind, but straining forward. I press on to make it my goal. There's that pushing forward. Maturity um, is about perseverance. Maturity is about pushing through even the difficult times. Um, 
there's also a, 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 an assurance about Paul in this passage um, that actually characterizes, if you like, who he is. Um, in verse 12, he says, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So the whole point, what Paul's saying is, I can, I can press on, I can persevere, I can, I can push forward, I can trust God in the midst of difficult circumstances, knowing that he has called me, knowing that he has chosen me, knowing that he loves me, knowing that he has accepted me, knowing that actually I can't be any more loved than I already am, just like we sang about that actually that place of security, that assurance that comes um, actually does, if you like, drives and motivates Paul to keep going on, to keep pushing forward, to not, as he says elsewhere in Corinthians, not to labour in vain, um, but actually he pushes forward knowing that actually there's a deep assurance. And really, I guess the first point of application today is, is, is do we know that assurance? Because I think we live in a city that, that, that tells us what we should think. I think we live in a city that often shouts louder than a lot of other voices um, and would want to tell us, want to define us, would want to tell us who we are, would want to tell us what we're about, would want to tell us what our goals should be. But actually our assurance is in Jesus Christ. Our assurance should be in the Lord. Our assurance when we come to him and we put our trust in him, that should be where we place our confidence. That should be where we place our assurance. And out of that place, it, it kind of characterizes, shapes who we are and equips us to then press on. Press on in faith. Believe God. I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because just like I read out right at the beginning, Paul says um, in 2 Timothy, um, I, I, fight, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, and I've kept the faith. If, if, if you read around that in, in 2 Timothy, he, he's, he's basically saying, I'm about to die. Um, I'm kind of done. Um, and, 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 and kind of, what an incredible testimony. What an incredible testimony for him. And, you know, yeah, Paul had all of the impressive stuff, and he did the miracles, and he planted churches, and he did all of that sort of incredible stuff. But actually... What, when, when, when it comes down to it, fundamentally, what does he say? He says, I fought the good fight, I've finished the race, and I've kept the faith. That's maturity. I wonder, I wonder how many of us would, would, would strive for that this morning, to say, actually, we, just, we finished well, we kept the faith, we just persevered. Whatever life threw at us, um, we pressed on. Because it would have been easy for Paul to kind of just, you know, bottle it. I mean, he's in prison at the moment when he's writing um, Philippians, you know, and, and, and like Paul, he said, even though I'm in prison, I press on. Even though I've been to cities and they've beaten me, dragged me outside and left me for dead, I press on. Even though I've been shipwrecked, bound in jail, da 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 all of that, I press on, I press on, I press on. And there's a call on us as well to press on, to push forward in faith, Perhaps it's when we're in the workplace and you know, our colleagues are starting to make snide comments or, or have a go about our faith or, oh, oh yeah, that Christian talk again. You know, no, we press on. Perhaps we prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed. Press on. Perhaps we haven't spoken to our neighbour before and now we're too embarrassed to ask their name again and we can't get over that awkwardness and no, we press on. 
Um, perhaps, perhaps it's seeing friends that knew you before you were a Christian. Going back into that setting can be really tough. But no, we press on. We push through. We persevere in faith. Um, and it doesn't come from this place of, well, now I've just got to you know, suck it up and do it. Actually, it comes from a, pl- a place of assurance, of our transformed our I- identity, of knowing who we now are um, in, tr- in Christ Jesus. And then Paul talks, doesn't he? Um, he talks about, um, da, 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 I press on, uh, not that I've already been made perfect, I press on to make it my own, to make it my own. This resurrection of the dead, this goal, this, this thing that he's going for. Um, and then uh, in verse 13, uh, for a while I was ahead, uh, 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so I guess we really need to understand what this prize is. Why, why do we press on? Why do we keep going? Why do we persevere? Why do we, why do we, just, why do we keep going? What is it that motivates us? What is it that keeps driving us um, to keep moving forward? If we move on um, in verses 17 um, through to 21, um, we see uh, Paul then begins to talk about imitation. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So even in this journey, even in this walking on, it's like, um, if, it's like if you were in that race, you would often have a pace setter, somebody that would set the pace, somebody that would, if you like, give you that mark. Paul's basically saying, follow me um, and I'll be your pace setter. Um, imitate me, I'll be your pace setter. Imitate those that are faithful, um, imitate those that persevere, imitate those that, that, that walk according to the Lord, that walk in obedience to him. Imitate those people um, because actually they're pace setters. They're people that we can follow, they're people that we can trust, they're people that are a little bit further ahead than us. And actually very often that's a really helpful pattern. If you look at it, that's discipleship is imitating people. Somebody that's a little bit further ahead. I, I want to learn from you. I wanna, I, I wanna, can you help me to pray? Can you help me to um, how to handle my finances? Can you help me in this job situation? All, all of those situations where we look to just imitate, imitate what people are doing, imitate what other believers are doing. And that's the church. God's given us one another to be able to do that. And it's an incredible blessing to be able to walk in imitation of people that are further along the journey than us. And then he moves on, doesn't he? Verse 18. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destruction, uh, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory and their shame with minds set on earthly things. You might think, gosh, that's a little bit of an, that's a little bit of an awkward verse in the middle of what's been essentially a great message about persevering, about pushing forward. But actually, if we understand it right, right back in um, verse 2 um, of chapter 3, um, God talk, uh, Paul talks about um, essentially false teachers that had come into the church. Um, and Dan spoke at length about it. Please download that um, from last week. But he, he, Paul's talking about these false teachers that have come into the church. And now they're saying, great, you put your trust in Jesus great, now you've got to do da, 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 right? You've got to do all of these additional things. You've got to do all these extra things. And actually doing that will make you righteous. That, that's how to really be a Christian. But actually, Paul says, no, these false teachers, it, it, it's futile. He says their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Um, they're, uh, da, 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 which, their glory and their shame with minds set on earthly things. 
Essentially, these false teachers are looking to earthly solutions. They haven't fixed their eyes. They haven't lifted their eyes. They're not necessarily imitating Jesus. Because ultimately, every person we imitate should be imitating Christ. And so we're looking to grow. We're looking to persevere. We're looking to grow more and more in maturity, more and more in identity, and more and more conformed to the image of Christ, which we'll come to in just a second. But he says, their mind, they, with minds set on earthly things. And actually, Paul makes it even stronger than that. He says, having set their mind on earthly things, he says, essentially, that's what it is to be an enemy of the cross. Is to try and find earthly solutions essentially makes you an enemy of the cross. Because what you're not doing is you're not putting your trust in Jesus. Which is really difficult when we start thinking about perhaps work situations and we think, well, maybe if I can just get one up on, or maybe if I could just get that promotion, or if I could just, right, all of these things that we start to look to, actually, as we, actually, all of them, they're not necessarily in and of themselves bad, but if we see them as the solution, then actually there's a problem there. There's a disconnect there because all of a sudden it, it becomes an enemy of the cross. It doesn't quite fit. Um, and so as believers, we have to come in submission under the cross. I wonder what it looks like when it plays out perhaps pastorally in a setting like this. When, when, when perhaps we look to other people to, to try and fix it and we try and, oh, can you, can you help me with this because I'm struggling with this, I can't do this. And don't get me wrong, but I think pastoral work absolutely is, is part of what we are called to do. That, that, that love and, and that care for one another, absolutely. But if that becomes the solution, if that becomes the goal, then we, I think we've missed something. We start to look inward trying to fix, well, how can I fix all of this mess that's in here rather than looking up? And actually, Jesus, now you come and transform me. There's no area of my life that's off limits. There's no area that I'm trying to keep secret from you. And I think it's difficult, isn't it? Because we live in a culture that tells us to get fixed, that tells us you can do it yourself, you can get fixed, you can, you can do it. All you have to do, hit these targets, da 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 right? You have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, right? And, and, and very often, that's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing, they're just not ultimate things. You see, if we stop looking up, if we stop looking up to Jesus and we start fixing our eyes on who we are, then we can become insolent, very self-centred, um, And essentially, that act of doing that makes us, as Paul says, enemies of the cross. In verse 20 and 21 then, but our citizenship is in heaven. So this parallel that he draws between these false teachers um, and then verse 20, we starts talking about um, the believers. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Just a couple of things here. I, I wonder what our concept of heaven is um, as a church. I wonder if, um, as we read these verses, um, we wait uh, from it, we, uh, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder if our concept of heaven is that we, we, we live our life on earth, we live our 70, 80 years, um, we die, and then we go to heaven, and we'll spend eternity with Jesus. Because an element of that is true. 
But actually, if we understand heaven correctly, we're actually waiting for the Lord, for, the, for a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come from heaven. And so actually, if you like, it's almost more like actually heaven actually becomes an earthly reality. What the Bible actually teaches is when Jesus returns on that final day, he will restore, he will renew, he will redeem all things. And that actually creation will be restored to its former glory. And it will be incredible. But ultimately, as Christians, we're not waiting to be taken out of difficult situations. We're not waiting to be taken out of this world to, to, to somewhere where we'll spend eternity with Jesus. We're actually waiting for heaven to come to us. We're waiting for heaven to come to where we are. We're waiting for a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come and meet us where we are and restore and redeem and renew um, all things. And that's what we put our confidence in. That's what we put our hope in. Um, And as we do that, verse 21, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. That as we, as we persevere, as we push on, as we, as, as we pray, as we gather together, as we, fight that, as we fight the good fight, as Paul talks about it, as we keep the faith, as we persevere, as we find our security, our identity, our assurance in Christ, as we do that, um, then actually our bodies are transformed. There's a transformation that happens. And so when I say that maturity actually looks more like perseverance, because we think of maturity as... Because as, maturity very often does look like some of those things. Somebody that's a bit older. Somebody that's a bit wiser. Somebody that's you know, perhaps very good at handling this or that. Or somebody that knows themselves particularly well. What you don't realise is there's probably 30, 40, 50 years of just faithful walking, that just encountering God in each of those instances of Jesus, the saviour, Jesus coming to meet them in those places and just walk with them through them. And it's difficult. I remember when um, Tanika and I were married, um, after several years being married, we decided we were going to start a family um, and we were like, great, let's go for it um, until the doctors told us that we couldn't have children. What do you do at that point, right? Do you, do you, do you believe what God said? Do you um, trust that some of those prophetic words about a family are true? Do you hold on to some of those things? Do you, or do you just throw it out and just say, mm, probably wrong, we'll just move on? Um, we actually felt a, a rise of faith, just say, no, this is what God's promised us. So we're going to persevere. So we're going to push forward. And it was probably about four years um, of trying, uh, just about to start, go, start going through all sorts of hormone treatment, IVF and everything like that. And God massively broke in um, and gave Solana a miracle baby. And now we have a second one on the way naturally. Praise God, right? Because it's, it's, it's a testimony of what, because we persevere. We push through. No, we hold on to what God said. And actually all of those battles, all of those things are, are, are for us maturity. They're maturing times. They're, matu- they're, they're opportunities for us to just cling to God and actually hold on to Him um, and believe Him for maturity. Um, 
I remember another time as well. I'll tell you one more story. Um, I remember another time as well. Um, so uh, we'd been a part of Revelation Church for um, probably several years. Um, I, was, I was the treasurer at the time. Um, and you, you know what it's like when you're in a position, um, and you probably have this at work, um, where you're in a position and all of a sudden you realize the task is way too big for you to do. Um, and it's not that you can kind of learn how to do it. Like, it's just beyond you. Um, and you get to that point where you're just like, uh, I don't know what to do here, and I've got nothing in the bank. I've got nothing that I can, I can actually kind of stump up or whip up, or I've got nothing. Um, and we were probably um, about four years in. I was looking after the finances, and, and, and the, the, the role, if you like, had just become way too big. Um, and I was at the point where I was like, I am so far out of my depth, I've got no idea where the shore is. Um, and it was just, and it was, it was, it was, it was a horrible feeling, really. Um, but it, that process probably continued for about two years, um, where I was carrying this thing, and I knew I was out of my depth. Um, but every time there were conversations and things like that, you know, then um, it just never really seemed to happen. And then. Um, you know, there would be times. You know, where there would be times where you're lying in bed at night um, and you can't sleep, and it's like two or three o'clock in the morning, and you're like, "How are we even going to pay people next week?" And it's and it's frightening because it's your responsibility, and it was terrifying. But in the midst of it, you just have to keep bringing it back to God in prayer. Just say, God, no, I, like, I, know, I know you are for our God. I know you've called us to this, and I'm believing you for it, and I'm going to trust you for it, and I'm going to put it into your hands, and I'm going to see you uh, carry us through. And praise God, we had somebody come through a couple of years later, and we took on the finances, took it, took it way beyond what I could have done. Um, and even now, we have somebody that's taken it even further. Um, and, it's, and, and God's brought us, as a church, me individually, through a really difficult, hard season because we persevered, because we don't back down, because we know who God's made us, we know who he's called us to be, we know where he's placed us, we know what we're called to do, and so we press on. And it doesn't look impressive, but we just press on. And, you know, it it might not be things that are going to change the world or the nation, but we press on. We push forward. We hold, we, we like Paul says in 2 Timothy, um, we fight the good fight. Um, what is it? We fight the good fight, we finish the race, and we keep the faith. And that's essentially what Paul's talking about here. And I feel like, um, I, I, I feel like there's some, I mean, the, I guess the application is to keep on, <laughs> to press on, to press on. Because actually, we don't always understand what that's going to look like in the years in the future ahead. But actually, what it does, we take those small steps of faith, and as we just say, do you know what? Even though we're hitting this, God, we're going to believe you for it. We're going to press in. We're going to press on. We're going to trust you. We're going to persevere um, through this. Actually, we don't always know where that's going to end up, what that's going to look like. But what we do know um, is like in verse 21, that he will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. That there's a transformation that comes. It's part of our maturity. And so I know it's not easy to hear, um, but if you're in the midst of difficult seasons, difficult times, which I know many of you are, the call isn't on you to kind of just step out of it. The call isn't on you to just throw the towel in. 
the call on us as a church is to persevere, is to press on in faith, is to cling to what God said, to cling to what he's promised. Um, And just before we finish, um, I just kind of want to land really... um, I've stolen, I've stolen the first verse of, of, of Dan's passage from next week, um, from uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Um, I mean, the, the, the original letter didn't have chapters and verses, so it's not that big of a deal. Um, but <laughs> chapter 4, verse 1, um, Paul's conclusion, he says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. And I feel like there's two, there's, two, there's two groups of people that God wants to speak to today. Maybe, maybe you're here and you've never actually known what it is to stand firm. Um, perhaps you're not a believer. You wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus. Um, well, the, the Bible tells us that, that Jesus came into the world. He took on our sin, our wrongdoing. Um, he took on that punishment that we deserved um, and died a death that we deserved in order that we could be raised to new life as we looked at, that we can find that newness of life in him. And actually, as we do that, then, then there's this, this transformation of our bodies, transformation of our identities, transformation of who we are um, that actually happens as we begin um, this Christian life. And I feel like the, fir- the, first, the first category is, is perhaps you've never stood firm. Perhaps you've never said, you know what, I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to stand, I'm going to trust that actually um, God is loves me God is for me God Jesus died for my sin on the cross and I'm going to put my confidence I'm going to stand on that truth um, and let that begin to shape and transform my life Um, and I feel like the second group of people I just want to pray for um, is people that are um, you're perhaps in the midst of it at the moment um, and it feels like the bullets are flying um, and and the call on us um, the call on you is to persevere um, and perhaps there's, you know, we do, obviously, we live in faith and expectation that God will break in. He will sustain us. He'll keep us by his grace. Um, even that is a miracle um, to sustain us and keep us. But you just feel under fire. Uh, you feel um, the pressure. You feel the heat of it. Um, and if that's you, um, I'd love you just to stand where you are. Um, and I'm going to pray for you. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that you call us to new life in you. Lord, thank you that we, um, Lord, thank you that in you uh, we've died to our old self. We've died to all of that stuff that we thought was impressive, that we thought was good, that could get us out of a quick fix, Lord, that could um, sort us out, Lord Jesus, and we just step into um, newness of life, Lord, and we just say that where you shape our identity, where you shape our character. Lord, we say that we are going to stand on the truth of your gospel, Lord, and we're going to press on. Lord, we are going to persevere. Um, And Jesus, we pray for grace to do it. Lord, we pray for grace, Lord, to endure. Grace um, to to keep the faith. Grace to fight that good fight. Grace, Lord, to run that race that is marked out for us. And Jesus, I just pray for each one of these situations, Jesus, that you would uh, be at work in their hearts. Lord, that it would be for your glory. Lord, it would be for their maturing. Lord Jesus, that at the end, Lord, they would be able to look back and say, I'm so pleased that God began to do this in my life. In that season, in that difficult season, God began to shape me in this way. Or God began to change this perspective. And Jesus, we just pray, God, that you would bring each and every single one of these people through to maturity. Lord, in a way that is 
is um, glorious, Lord, in a way that speaks of your incredible um, power, a way that speaks of your incredible um, new life um, that we now have in you. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you are such a good God. Lord, thank you that we can trust you. Um, and Jesus, where these people are, fight, are clinging on in faith, Jesus, we just pray, would you just give them small glimpses of your grace, small glimpses of your glory, small glimpses, Lord, where you just break in, Lord, and that, and that darkness, Lord, just, just even for a split second, just dispels. And that, Jesus, they would have a fresh perspective, Lord, setting their minds on heavenly things, Lord, knowing that their citizenship, their identity is in heaven. Lord, knowing that actually you've called them, Lord, and you've set them apart. And that, Lord, Lord, thank you for each one of these people that has committed and said they're going to persevere, they're going to push on, even in the midst of a difficult season, even in the midst of a tough time, they're going to persevere and press on in faith. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness. Amen.